This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Great. Hey, welcome today. It's a real privilege to have everybody here, those online, those in the room. It's great to be here on this Good Friday. You know, that, um, that our phrase, Good Friday, is a really interesting title. I remember as a, as a young person thinking, why do we call this Good Friday when we, when we remember the death of somebody? And he wasn't just... I mean, if it, was a, if it was the death of a bad dude, well, then we go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's good that he's gone, yeah? But this wasn't a bad dude. This was the Son of God dying. Why do we, why do we call it good? And that was something that I wrestled through for many years until I really understood what it was about. That it's on Good Friday we remember the death of Jesus. And because of his death, it made a way for our sin to be forgiven. It made a way for our death sentence to be paid for. It made a way for our relationship with God to be restored. And because of those things, that's why we call it Good Friday. Amen? That's why we call it Good Friday. Now, what Christ has done for us through his death, he offers what he's done to us. He offers us forgiveness of sin. He offers us relationship with God. He offers us our death sentence um, paid for, but we need to accept it. It's available. It's like a gift that, that, that someone brings you a gift, but then we need to receive the gift for it to be ours. And it's the same with what Jesus has done for us. He's made a way, as I said, sin forgiven, death sentence paid for, relationship with God restored. It's there and available, but it, but it only becomes ours if we accept it. Today we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 23, and in this text, it talks about the two criminals who were crucified alongside Jesus, one on his right, one on his left. And as we look at these criminals, they had um, two things in common, and they had one thing very different. So I want us to look at this text, look at these people, and then ask the question, which criminal can you relate to more, the first one or the second one? Let's pray and then we'll go. Father, I want to thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather. Give us ears and hearts open to hear from you, those online, those in the room. Father, prepare, um, anoint me for this task to preach your word. Give me ears to hear from you, God. Remind me of what I prepared. Guide my words. And for everybody listening, give us ears and hearts open to hear for what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 23, I want to pick it up at verse 32. So Jesus has been crucified, and it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said to the crowd, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And then we have the part of the text that I want to focus on today. It says in verse 39, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. 
But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for what we are getting, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. As we look at these, these are two men who were crucified with Jesus, I, I, I want to pick out three things, two things that are in common and one thing's different. The first thing is that they're both criminals. Um, we're not told in this text what they did, but for them to be crucified, they must have done something really, really bad. Crucifixion was held by the Romans as their, as their way of punishment, and you had to be a really bad dude to be crucified. It was saved for the worst of the worst criminals. They're both criminals. Um, the our second criminal said, we are getting what our deeds deserve. They had done something that was dodgy. We don't know what it is, but that's the case. The second thing that we um, see about these criminals is that they both knew about Jesus. They had some sort of understanding of who Jesus is. Look at this I mean, verse 39. This is the first criminal. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. He had some sort of concept of who Jesus is and, and mocks him, in, insults him in that statement. But then look at the other criminal. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We're punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He knew Jesus enough to say he'd done nothing that deserved death. And then he says in verse 42, this, this criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He saw Jesus as a king who had a kingdom. So two things so far. These two men who were crucified with Jesus, the first thing is they're both criminals. The second thing, they knew about Jesus. They both knew about Jesus. And the third thing is what's different between these criminals is how they responded to Jesus. They responded differently. The first criminal, verse 39 one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. The first criminal, knowing enough about him, hurled insults at him. But look at the second criminal. First thing we notice about this second criminal is that he recognized who Jesus was. Verse 41, he says, We are punished justly for what we are getting, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He has a concept of who Jesus is, and then he calls him a king. In verse 42, who has a kingdom, he recognizes, sorry, that's not right. He recognizes, let me go back and say that again. I got it wrong. That's the next point. He recognizes who he was. He's talking about himself, yeah, the criminal. The criminal, thank you for the, Pete, that was encouraging. Thank you for, he recognized that he messed up, that he was getting what his deeds deserved. So as the criminal looked at himself, he recognized, you know what, I've got it wrong. I actually deserve death for my wrongdoing. That's clear. That's right. Second point. He recognized who Jesus is. That's where I got confused. The second thing is this criminal recognized who Jesus is. He says in verse 41, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognized that Jesus had done nothing wrong deserving death and that he was a king and that he had a kingdom. And the third thing about this second criminal is that he trusts Jesus for his future. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This criminal recognized who he was, that he messed up, 
He recognized who Jesus was, and then he put his trust in Jesus for his future. You know, I remember when I was young um, and starting to date. Anyone remember back to those years and those who were in that stage, those in the back row, you're going, yep, I'm, I'm there right now. Woohoo, isn't it an exciting period for you? And, and, and I don't know about you, but you sort of compare. You go, well, I wonder if that chickie's in, in my league. I wonder if that lady, that, that our young girl, is uh, she too good for me? Can I do better than that? This is what you do when you're young and immature days, yeah? Anyone relate to what I'm talking about? Two people, right, just me and my dad. Just me and my dad. What does that mean? What does that mean? Not sure about that. Is this person in my league? If I ask them out, like, is, is, is uh, this going to work? And the, uh, and the uh, reason I share that is because sometimes when we think about ourselves and we compare ourselves with Jesus, we think, he would never accept me, I'm not in his league. But notice who Jesus accepts here. He accepts a criminal. He, would, he had done something worthy of execution. Maybe he murdered, we don't know, it doesn't tell us. But it was really, really, really bad. And do not allow your past to, to determine who you are. Do not think because of my past, God could not possibly accept me. God, I'm not good enough to be accepted by God because that's just not true. Because Jesus will accept anybody who comes to him. Coming to him with repentance, come to him with belief, he will accept you. If I went around this room and I, and I asked you to tell me your worst secret of sin, we're not going to do that, of course. But if we did, you will, be, you will be shocked and you will be horrified. How do I know? Because I'm your pastor. And I've sat down with many of you, and many of you have told me your stuff. And I, and I know some of your stuff, and I'm sure that, and that's the stuff you told me. Imagine the stuff you're not even willing to tell me. We've all got our stuff. And it's easy for us to say, man, look at my stuff. I could never be accepted by Jesus. But the reality is, if he accepts his criminal, he can accept me and he can accept you. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this text? How does this relate to us? Well, I want to go back to those three things that we mentioned about the criminals. The, the two men who were crucified with Jesus, the first thing we said is that they were both criminals. And the reality is, from God's perspective, all of humanity are criminals. We may not have murdered anyone or raped anyone or done anything like that, but we've all broken God's expectations, God's law. We've fallen short of what he wants for our life. And because of that, he sees us, God sees us as wrongdoers, that we are sinful, that we've, that we've missed the mark, we haven't lived the way that he wanted us to live. And because of that, we deserve punishment for our wrongdoing. And the Bible says that punishment is death. So just like those criminals deserve death for their wrongdoing, it's a bit different, we haven't done what they've done, but we deserve eternal and um, separation from God forever because of our wrongdoing. That's the first thing. The second thing is they both knew about Jesus. The first criminal knew, said he was some sort of Messiah but insulted him. The second one saw him as someone who'd never did anything wrong and a king with a kingdom. And if you're here today, you've just sung songs about who Jesus is. You have some sort of understanding of who he is. It might be small, it might be limited, but you have some sort of understanding of who he is. We all have. If you're in this room, you're watching online, I believe you have some sort of understanding of who he is. And the important bit is number three. How do you respond to him? The first criminal responded with insult, with rejection. The second criminal responded this way, with these three things. He recognized who he was as a sinner, as a criminal, someone deserving of death. 
Second thing, he recognized who Jesus was as someone who has a king, who has a kingdom, who can, who can invite him, who can accept him in to God's kingdom. And the third thing we see is that he trusted Jesus for his future. And that is a pure, a perfect, beautiful um, example of what it is for me and for you to come into relationship with God. A beautiful, a beautiful picture of what it is for us to have our sin forgiven, to put our trust in Jesus, to have eternal life. It's through these things. It's recognizing who we are. Like I said, we've all got it wrong. We're all criminals in God's sight and we deserve death. That's recognizing who we are. The second thing is, is, is we recognize who Jesus is or Jesus was. For us, it's who Jesus is because he's now alive. He didn't stay dead. He's alive on Resurrection Sunday, yeah? That he is the son of God, that he did die for our sins, that he did rise again, that he's now seated at the right hand of the Father and he's inviting us to come to him. And as we come to him, he then gives us eternal life. And the third thing, we need to put our trust in him. We've got to rely on him for forgiveness. There's nothing you can do to be good enough to get God's forgiveness, to be accepted by him. There's nothing you can do in your own strength. But when you rely on him, when you say, Jesus, I can't do it, but I trust you to forgive me, he then accepts you. I trust you, Jesus, for eternal life, he accepts you. I trust you, Jesus, to deal with my descendants, he gives you life. He's a perfect picture of what it is to become a follower of Jesus, to become a Christian. And as I said before, you might look at your life and you might think to yourself, can God accept me? I've done this and I've done that. Can God accept me? And the reality is, yes, he can. His death. Jesus' death was so extreme, so complete, so extravagant, so, put a word on it, marvelous, incredible, so loving. It is so incredible that his death made a way for the worst of the worst of the worst criminal to be forgiven and accepted by God. His death meant so much that the worst of the worst of the worst criminal can be forgiven by Jesus because of his death. God can accept you and he will accept you if you recognize that you need him. You know who he is. The kids are noisy today, aren't they? Isn't that great? I love noisy kids. People think, are we too noisy downstairs? No, make more noise. It's a church full of life when there's plenty of kids around. Back to where I was. We recognize that we need him, number one. Two, we recognize who he is. And number three, we put our trust in him for our future. So where are you today? Where are you today? Are you like the first criminal? You know a bit about Jesus, but you've never committed your life to him. Or are you like the second criminal? You recognize that you've messed it up. You recognize who Jesus is, but you've trusted him to forgive you. You've trusted him for your future. Which criminal do you relate to more? You know, if you can relate to that second criminal, I mean, today is a day of rejoicing. That second criminal who put his trust in Jesus, you know. Today is a day where we say it is a good Friday. I had a thought during the week that um, we should, this, this is super controversial, ready for this? We should protest Good Friday as a public holiday. We as Christians should say, Let's cancel Good Friday as a public holiday because no one, like the number of people in Australia that celebrate it is so small. Why is everybody else who doesn't celebrate to get this holiday for something that they don't even celebrate? 
That's a bit controversial, isn't it? And maybe by, maybe by protesting, people might then start having a serious conversation about good, what Good Friday is all about. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, whatever, that's not the point. Just a thought. Or we might lose a public holiday, right. And that would suck because we like, we like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, don't we? Yes, amen to that. Come on. But if we do see what Good Friday is about, if we've accepted it, today's a wonderful day. Because you are now accepted by God. Can God accept you? If you're a Christian, he has accepted you. Your wrongdoing is dealt with, it's finished, it's over. God no longer sees you as someone who is carrying around all this filth and dirt and wrong attitudes and wrong behaviors. Ephesians 1 says that he sees you as now holy. He sees you as blameless in his sight. God sees you like you have never sinned because Christ paid the penalty for you. He took your sin upon himself. God sees you loved. God sees you accepted. We're going to take communion in a few moments, and when we do... I want you to reflect and I want you to be thankful for what Jesus has done for you. Or maybe you're like the first criminal, like I said, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, today can be your day. Today can be your day. Maybe you're sensing something going on in your belly. Something's changing in your heart. You've been challenged by what I've said. Today can be your day to commit your life to him. So with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you want to become a Christian, you want to be, put your trust in Jesus, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me, whether in the room or online. Let's pray this together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you just become a Christian. You've just become like the second criminal who put your trust in Jesus. And you, and you now have eternal life that starts now and goes forever. That is the best decision that you could ever make. If you just made that decision, or if you've made that decision years and years ago, we're going to take communion. And those online, um, our campus pastor Andrew advertised it to have um, some bread or a juice or something with you. Mars bar and a Coca-Cola will do. They're just symbols of what Christ has done for us. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 